let's give a song of praise in those young brothers' hands. Amen. Was that, that, that awesome? I tell you what, I, I just, you know, sometimes, I, I, man, I, I'm just, just overwhelmed with the presence of the message. I start to get up and just go tackle them jokers, man. I mean, I mean, I, I was full, brother. I mean, come on now. Now, I can't do all that stuff like that, you know. They're doing like the Matrix. <laughs> so when you're 54, you can't, you can't move like you used to move, but you can do a little bit. You can do a little something. Yeah. Some of y'all remember them, Dave? You, you do a little something. A little lane in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all saw that leg. Did you saw that leg? Yeah. We do a little something. Come on. Come on, Vic. We can do a little something. Can't we? we still do a little something. All right. Matthew, quit laughing at me, Matthew, Matthew, the 14th chapter, uh, verse number 22. And, and this is, yeah, we, we've been sharing uh, about the storms of life. Guys, I want you to listen to this message clearly today. And let's, 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 let's see what God is trying to get over to us through this passage of scripture. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse number 22, we'll begin our reading there. Matthew 14 and verse number 22. And guys, you know the contextual uh, element that this particular passage is plucked out of, they just fed the 5,000 besides women and children, right? And it was a miracle. But yet we saw that, that even though the disciples were walking with Jesus, even though the disciples saw the miracles, Brother Craig, the Bible tells us that their hearts were still hardened. Can I get a witness? See, you can be walking with Jesus. You can see God do a miracle, but that don't mean that your heart's been changed. Are you listening to me? And we, we know for a fact, because the Bible tells us, their hearts were still hardened, even after seeing it, after walking with Jesus. So Jesus knew that that there was coming a point in time when he was going to leave this earth to go to the cross of Calvary, amen, to be nailed to the old rugged cross, to be crucified on Golgotha's hill, to be uh, to die on that cross, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, to be resurrected the third day morning, and he was going to ascend back up into heaven. And he knew that when he ascended back up into heaven, he was not going to be here with his disciples. So he had to prepare them for the ministry that he was leaving with them. And so with their hearts not being right, he still is trying to perfect them. Look at what the text says. Immediately after this, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. The crowd was sent home, those who were fed with the two fish and five barley loaves. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24 says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Verse number 25, let's read together. It says what? About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. The text says when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. How many of you know when you're in the middle of a storm, you need Jesus to show up? Can I get half a witness up in here? You need him to show up and you need to be able to see him, you need to be looking for him. 
The text says, then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. The text says, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. The text says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. I got to ask you a question. Did the waves stop when Jesus said, come? No, the, the, the strong winds and the waves were still prevalent and they were still beating just like they were before Jesus said, come. But the text says here, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, when Jesus said, come, he immediately stepped out the boat. I told you on last week or a couple weeks ago that many of us are boat people. You know what boat people are? Man, the boat people are, of people who will keep talking about starting the daycare but don't ever start it. Hello, boat people are the ones who talk about starting the business but they never take the steps and put it into action. Boat people are saying, I need to get this other job but, but, but you know what, I'm just going to stay right here because I know right here. I don't know what's over there. I know what's right here. Boat people don't step out in faith. Boat people stay right where they are and complain all the way while they're right where they are. Peter Although presumptuous as he is, although uh, uh, quick-tempered and, 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 and quick-mouthed like he was, he was the one who stepped up and said, Jesus, if it's you, let me come. Bid me to come under thee, the KJV says. And Jesus said, come. But the text again says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, the strong wind and the waves never ceased at this stage. But again, the text says he saw it. When he first heard the word, Pastor, his, his mind, his eyes were focused in on the word. So much so that he didn't see the stuff that was going on around him. See, guys, I want to tell you something. When you become a born-again believer, stuff don't stop happening. It's just that when, 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 when you get saved and get into God's word, you see, amen, the stuff through the prism of the word of God. In other words, you keep your focus on God's word and you don't allow the winds and the waves and the storms that are going on around you to distract you from following God's voice. Y'all listen to me. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse number 31, let's read. It says what? Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. <laughs> and look at what he told him. He says, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? You have so little faith. Now, again, this is, this is Peter. The rest, of, again, as I, I told you on, on, last, on a couple weeks ago, I said, at least, I mean, I, I can respect Peter from this standpoint. Uh, the other dudes didn't try to do nothing. The other dudes stayed in the boat, right? The other cats were just as fearful and afraid, but Peter at least says, if it's you, bid me to come unto you. And when Jesus said, come, he stepped out on God's word. How many of you know it's good to step out on God's word? When you have a word, an identifiable word from God's holy scripture or a, a, a prophetic word, a rhema word that God has put down inside of you, then you need to move off of that word. All right? So watch it. So you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Amen. And so uh, the, the Bible says in verse number 32, let's read. It says what? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind what? The wind stopped. Verse 33, it says, then the disciples worship him. You really are the son of God. And I, I, I got I, my, my memory bank just, just kind of 
pops up popped something up into my into my in my intellect just 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 at that moment. Do you recall? And I, I referenced this the last time. Do you recall there was a time when Jesus was sleeping in the hinder part of the ship with the disciples, and a storm began to rage? Y'all remember that reference? Come on, you Bible studies, y'all know. And 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 they went to the the lower part of the ship and they woke Jesus up and they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we about to get taken out of here? And 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 then Jesus, when he got up, finally he just he just spoke to the wind and said, "Peace, be still." But that's the kind of God we serve. All we got to do, then is say, all he has to do is say, "Peace, be still," and the storms of our life will cease. But in that reference, you notice and check it out when you get home. The disciples say something different here than what they said back then because there's a progression that is happening because again, Jesus is concerned about our hearts and not our religion. Jesus is concerned about what, where our heart is and not what we do per se. Now we, we ought to do what's right, but you can do what's right and your heart be wrong and you're still messed up. But back then, when he was in the ship with them, after Jesus calmed the raging sea by saying, peace be still, those guys says, what manner of man is this? They said, they said what, what kind of dude is this that can control the wind and the waves? But I notice what they say here. They say, you really are the son of God. So revelation knowledge is beginning to, to ex explode in their minds because back then they were just kind of figuring out, we, 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 don't really, we don't really know what kind of dude this is. What kind of dude can speak to the wind and it just stops? Have y'all ever, I, just, I, I tell you what, next time a thunderstorm is rolling this way, and I don't know, read the weather forecast, and I want you to go outside and say, peace be still. <laughs> and let's see what happens. Now again, I, Jesus is that kind of God. But back then, the guys didn't, didn't have full revelation of who he was. They were just saying, what manner, they, they knew he was an unusual cat. Because the other, other, the other religious leaders couldn't speak to the wind and stop. But they still had not recognized him as the son of God. But here we see their heart is beginning to transform because as then the disciples worship him, they said, you really are the son of God. I noticed that. You really are. What, what if I came to you and I said, Craig, man, I guess you really are called to preach. What would that indicate? That would indicate that there was some doubt on my part whether or not you were really called to preach. If I came to Moraria, Nikitris, Kirk Adams from Haynesville, Louisiana, and told her, baby, you really do love me. That would be really saying that there was some doubt in my mind as to whether or not she really loved me. Can I get a witness? Now, I don't doubt that. Because I, 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 you, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me through her. You wasn't there. You don't, you know how, when or where. I, I, I'm just thinking about a song now. But if you knew our relationship over a 32 year period, you will know that I know without a shadow of a doubt that she loves me unconditionally. 
And, and I would hope that she would know that. I can't speak for her, but I hope that she would know that I love her unconditionally based on the relationship. Can I get one, can I get one amen from you? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm starting to sweat up here. I'm thinking, she's looking at me like, I don't know, I don't know. But now they say you really are the son of God. So, so guys, guys, we, we're, we're talking about what are some lessons that we can learn from this experience here? Because the, the things, let's walk through here, and, and, and I, I gave you four, and I got three more to give you. So can we just, just by way of review, we said the first lesson is, is, is number one, because again, remember, the KJV says he constrained them, Alia. He constrained them. The word constrained me. He literally, Derek had to make them get in the boat. He literally had to make them get in that ship and go across the other side. Because Jesus, they sent them up to the way. He went along, went to be by himself to commune with, with God after he had sent them away. But he had to make them, he constrained them. It was almost like an order or a command because they didn't want to leave him. Or they didn't want to get into that ship because as experienced fishermen, they could, they could probably read the, the cloud line. They could read... The, can y'all tell when a thunderstorm is coming? When the cl cl clouds roll up and it gets real dark and you see lightning in the distance, you don't want to go that way, do you? All right? So, so maybe, they, maybe they saw it, what was coming, but Jesus still made them get in to go to the other side. But let me see, if Jesus tells you to get in the boat and go to the other side, if he tells you, I don't care what kind of storm you go through, you're going to get to the other side. Because my Savior does not lie. Amen. He, he's, he's God and he cannot lie. So, so the first lesson we learned here is, number one, we said it's possible. First lesson point was it's possible to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be right in the middle of the will of God. Because it was no question that these guys were in the will of God because Jesus made them get in the ship. He said, get over in that boat and go. Because they were hesitant. But it's possible to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be right in the middle of the will of God. Because sometimes we, we've been told that if, if something is going wrong in our life, that that means that we did something wrong. Now, sometimes it is a storm that we cause. Because, see, don't try to blame your storm on Jesus if it's a storm that you cause. Hello? Can I get a witness? Let's say, for instance, and this, is, this is kind of a crude example. I say crude, but, but it's a simple example. If, if, if you came up and hit me while I'm preaching, and I, and, I, and I thought that you were getting ready to try to attack me, and then I haul off and knock you out, and then they got to take you to the hospital, and you're in a coma, and then when you wake up saying, I'm going through the storm of life, I'm going through the storm of life because I'm, you know, I'm in the will of God. That wasn't the will of God for you to come hit me while I was preaching. Or when I, for that matter, after I get through preaching. You caused that storm. Hello? Some of us have caused relationship storm because of some poor decisions that we made. And then we want to say, well, you know, the devil is busy. Baby, some stuff, we quit trying, quit helping the devil. Make wise decisions and wise choices. Some financial storm we find ourselves in because of poor decisions that we make. 
decision that we didn't really consult the will of God on. We just did what we thought was best in our own eyes. And here's what I've learned. And guys, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing. I've I, I made decisions sometimes and then prayed all the way through. And if I, if I poll the audience, I suspect I'm not the only one who's made some decisions that you didn't pray it all the way through. You, you, you felt like it was the Lord, but because it's what you want to do. You can, let me tell you something. You can always make something be the Lord if you really want to do it bad enough. Some of you ladies are married guys, and you said the Lord sent them because you want, you, you, it was your, it was your, because really you think about this. It was, it, was your, it was what you wanted to do, and you made it be the Lord's will until he started whipping you. Cussing you out, being mean to you, treating you like dirt. And, you, and, and finally, after, after much intervention, you decide that, that that wasn't really the Lord that sent that guy to me. That was me wanting what I wanted, and I made the Lord, I tried to make the Lord line up with it. Guys, be prayerful. The Bible says this. Uh, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll do what? He'll direct your path. If you acknowledge him, but you don't acknowledge him, he's not going to come in and just take over because he made us as free moral agents, okay? So, 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 let's... What are you saying, Pastor? Quit lying on God so much. Don't lie on God. You get into the word of God. Let his Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. And then if the storm comes, amen, because you're in the will of God, then it just comes and God's going to see you through that storm. Because if he told you to go there like he did the disciples, you can rest assured without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to go through that storm. And you're going to come out, amen, more pure. Now, remember I told you a couple weeks ago, I said, in reading and studying our Bibles, we discovered that there are two kinds of storms, right? Let's see if y'all remember. The first kind was what? Storms of correction. Storms of correction when God disciplines us. There are storms of correction. And then the second kind of storm is what? Storms of what? Perfection. That's when God helps us to grow. So storms of what? Correction. That's when he disciplined us trying, to, trying to, to correct something in our life. And then there's storms of perfection when God is trying to help us to grow. Jonah, I told you, was in a storm because he disobeyed God and had to be corrected. The disciples in our text were in a storm because they obeyed Christ and had to be perfected. Because in another uh, uh, accounting of this very same incident, again, the Bible says even after they seen that miracle, their hearts were hardened. So God still had to grow them. And I'm going to tell you something. In your own individual life, there, there'll be some storms that'll come when we're not where we need to be in Christ. When we're not growing like we need to grow. When we're not, when we're not submitting like we need to submit. When we're not being obedient like we need to be obedient. And see, nobody in here may not know, but God knows when we actually are obedient, when we are growing, when we're, when we're being disobedient, when we're ignoring him, when we're not spending time with him. He knows. And if people are around you long enough, they'll discover that you're not really growing because your talk will give you away. Your actions will give you away. So, so it, but, but it is possible, guys, to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be right in the middle of the will of God. Number two, we said what? Let's, let's pop it up. Number two. Number two, we said what? Y'all write it down. Obedience demands what? An immediate response. An immediate response. In other words, Partial obedience or waiting and delayed obedience is not what God wants. When he says go, he wants us to go. Amen. So uh, 
Now, how many of y'all have been in the military? Let me see military folks. Raise your hand if you've been in the military. Okay. Military uh, people understand this even more so than, than, the, than the average civilian in our, in our population. Because military people understand that, that when they are giving orders, they don't have the options to not do that order. When you take the oath and you join the military. If they, if they say you got to go to Afghanistan for six months, you got to go for six months. Am I right? You know, unless something happens to you, you stick, whatever, you got to go. You can't say, well, I changed my mind. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. As a matter of fact, if, if you do do that, then, then you could be actually a, a, a court martial. Is that right? Could you be sent to jail for not obeying? Man, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be something if God had a jail for believers who don't do his word? I wonder how many of us would be locked up. I wonder how many of us would be in jail tomorrow. Please, can you, can you, can you bring some money and get me out? <laughs> See, when God, if God had a jail to put us in for disobeying his word, all of us in it, including me, would be in that jail. Because there have been some times when we've all not did what God told us to do. So, but obedience demands an immediate response, okay? It demands an immediate response. This entire scene is a dramatic picture of the church and the Lord today that, that we're looking at in our text. God's people are on the sea and in the midst of the storm, yet Jesus Christ is in heaven making intercessions for us. That's what the Bible says. He saw the disciples and knew their situation just as he sees us and knows our needs. He feels the burdens that we feel and know what we are going through. Uh, you remember we, we, we looked over in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It talked about the fact that we have a high priest who, who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What that means is that we have a high priest. We have a savior who understands us because he wrapped himself in human flesh. Go to Hebrews 4, right? Hurry, hurry. Come on, Hebrews 4. Can we look at it right quick? Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And look at verse number 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. He understands. Hebrews 4, verse number 14. The text says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, the high priest who's entered heaven, born in a manger in Bethlehem, crucified on the cross of Calvary, ascended back up into heaven, Seated on the right hand of the Father. While he was here on earth, the Bible said he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. So that means he knows what we're going through. Okay? Uh, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Look at the next verse. Come on, 15 and 16. This high priest of ours understands our what? Weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he didn't sin. Look at verse 16. Watch this. Watch this. So since we know we have a high priest who was tempted at every point like we are, yet without sin, he, and he understands our weaknesses. He, in other words, he understands our weaknesses, but he doesn't hold us up in our weaknesses or in our sin. Let me put it that way. Because see, God understands what we're going through, but he doesn't uphold us in that. I can understand what you're going through. I can walk with you through that, but not still agree with what you're into. And that's what believers have to understand. See, some people say, well, okay, if you're going to walk with me, don't judge me. Baby, I'm not going to judge. I'm going to let the word of God judge. But I'm going to speak the word of God. 
And if what you're doing is wrong, let's talk about it. Let's go into the word of God. Let's see what God's word says. And, and, and I'll pray with you. I'll encourage you. I'll send you a text. I'll send you an email to encourage you, amen, to not let that thing continue to get, get you down and, 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 and wrestle you away from the will of God. But I will never agree that it's okay for you to do that and not say anything about it when I know about it. That's why as your pastor, you guys, you, you guys, you guys are going to hear me say a, a lot of different things because I, I believe in preaching the full counsel of God. I believe in, 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 in bringing up relevant experiences because we all have common experiences, right? So if I love you, then that means that I'm, I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth. And as a believer, we ought to be like the Bible says, speak the truth, what? In love. So if I know you love me, you can tell me about myself. And I hope you know I love you because I'm going to tell you about yourself. <laughs> as a pastor, because I, I, I love you. And I, I want to see you grow. Jesus sent these guys through the storm because their hearts were still hardened. Look at this right here. He says, so let us come, what? Since we know that, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. How many of y'all can stand a little more grace? Just a little more grace. I, I, need, I, need, I need God's grace. I need, I, need, I need God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, because I have a relationship with God uh, through Jesus Christ, then his mercy and his grace covers me. His mercy and his grace, amen, will will. will, will kind of bind me up when I'm down. So, so, so we have a high priest that we can go to and we can go to him confidently because we know he's experienced everything that we've experienced. Amen? But obedience demands an immediate response. The third thing we said was what? Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to come. See, in our lives, I've discovered that Jesus will not come the way we always expected. Okay? They didn't recognize Jesus. Why? Because they were not looking for him. Had they been waiting by faith, they would have known him immediately. Instead, they jumped to the false conclusion that he was a ghost in this scenario here. So, again, the third thing is Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to. God works miracles, but see, those miracles and, and the way he works, you know, they used to sing a song. You know the Lord, he moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Some of y'all get to go get some old school. He plants his footsteps out on the sea. And he what? Rides every storm. What's the rest of y'all? Come on, Faye. Help me, Faye. But y'all can point. If, if, he, if he rides every storm, and I'm in the storm, I need to know tomorrow that he's in the storm with me because he rides every storm according to the song. So if, if I'm in a storm and I know Jesus is with me, I'm going to be all right. I may not understand the storm. I may not understand why I'm going through it. And, and, and hopefully I'm going through it because he's trying to perfect me and not correct me. Because if he's trying to correct me, that means I'm doing something wrong. But if he's trying to perfect me, that means I haven't grown to the state in my walk with him that I need to be. And let me tell you something. All of us will never be where we are going to be in Christ. Because you, you never stop growing. So that means that as long as I'm alive, there are going to be some storms that are going to come up in my life. Different kinds of storms. Now when I say storms, guys, we're looking at a literal storm right here. 
But, but in our life, we may have a financial storm. Any of y'all been through a financial storm before? You may have a health storm. Any of y'all had a health storm before in your life? You may have a marriage or a relationship storm. Amen. With, with your spouse, with your children, with your in-laws, your outlaws, your brothers, your sisters. You, know, you, you got stuff going on and, and you say and they say, but y'all ain't together. Come on now. You, you say, been baptized, speaking in a tongue, but can't get along with your sister. Now, if you love Jesus so much, how come you can't get along with your sister? You love Jesus so much, how come you can't get along with your coworkers? And you're supposed to be that light shining in that dark place, but when everybody see you come, they go, oh, Lord. There, there she come. There he come. Oh, he going to do all that preaching, then watch, watch, watch. I'm going to push his button, he's going to cuss. Sending mixed messages. See, we got all these different storms, and sometimes we're in those storms because God is trying to perfect us like he was the, trying to do his disciples. Jesus, always, he doesn't always come the way we expect him to, okay? Y'all follow me? Fourth thing we said, well, when you begin to follow the voice of God, most people won't understand. Most people won't understand when you begin to follow the voice of God. Now, listen to number five. Number five, there comes a point when your faith has to be exercised Instead of verbalize. Y'all write that one down. If you, if you don't write none of the other points down, write that one down. There comes a point when your faith has to be exercised instead of verbalized. Y'all remember back in the day, they used to say something. They said, uh, you know, talk is cheap. Do y'all remember that? They say money, talk. Something else walk. Why y'all? How many of y'all remember that when you, when you were growing up? Here's what I discovered. In the church, too many of us are talking about our faith, but we're not living that faith out. We're talking Jesus at Sunday morning discipleship we're talking Jesus at G-Men ministry and women's ministry and at marriage ministry, but when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, when it comes down to, 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 to putting that what we verbalize into action, we tend to fall short. So, so there comes a point in time when your faith has to be exercised instead of verbalized. Amen? The storms of life give you that opportunity to really find out what you believe. When you got sickness in your body and, and you can't heal yourself, do you believe that God is a divine healer? Do you believe that by his stripes you are healed? And if, and, and if so by chance, God, allowed, God, God, God says, okay, I, I, I know I can heal you, but I'm not going to heal you on this side. Can you still handle that? Can you still trust God if he don't heal you the way he, you want him to heal you? Will you still believe God that he is the giver of life? Will you still believe God that he's your protector and your keeper when you lose a loved one? Because, you know, some people, when they, when they go through a storm, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's a financial difficulty, whether it's a relationship that's gone awry, whether you got laid off your job, people will start to question God in the storm. 
Peter, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, was able to, to walk in a miraculous fashion. He was walking on water because his eyes were kept on the word of God. He, he focused on what the word says, okay? But guys, make no mistake about it. There's going to come a point in time where your faith has to be exercised instead of verbalized. This was the whole purpose of the storm, to help the disciples to grow in their faith. After all, Jesus would one day lead them and they would face many storms in their ministries. They had to learn to trust him even though he was not present with them. And even though it looked as though he didn't care. Look down with me at verse number 30 in Matthew the 14th chapter. Verse number 30 in Matthew the 14th chapter. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Verse number 30. The text says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. I got to give him credit. He had, he had enough sense to call on Jesus when he saw himself sinking. You know what, you know what a lot of Christians do? When they're going through a storm and when they're going through a test, why do you run away from the church? Why do you stop coming to church when you're in the middle of a storm? Do you not realize that, that, that it's, it's critically important that you connect yourself with the local church? And when I say connect, and that's what we've been talking about. We're talking about building faith and connecting families. Uh, when you lead the service, you go out to the foyer, we have some renderings there uh, with some drawings of, of a building project that we're uh, believing God to complete. And we said that, one of the reasons why we're doing that is not just to build a building, because a building is just a building, it's enclosed space. But we want to use that building to help us connect with our God, to connect with our families, uh, to connect, amen, with the community, and to connect our facility so we can do the work of ministry. And so, so but, but it's important that you as a Christian connect with the local church congregation. Look at Hebrews 10. 24 and 25. Go there right quick. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Are y'all still with me? All right. Hebrews 10. I think it's 24 and 25. Let's, let's, let's pounce on that just a second. Because here's what people will say, and it sounds spiritual, and, and technically it could be true. You don't have to be in church to be saved or to get saved. Because you can get saved out there on the street corner. If I witness to you at the club, when you leave in the club, you can get saved right there. But if I'm going to be grow, if I'm going to grow in my faith, if I'm going to be obedient to the word of God, because see, true faith is backed up by corresponding action. I can't say I love Jesus and do everything against what Jesus told me to do. I'm lying. Ladies. Oh, ladies, ladies, all women in the house. Can I get one more witness from y'all? Ladies, I need to hear y'all one more time. Ladies, if a man says he loves you, but does not do anything for you, does not spend time with you, don't even know how to or try to learn how to talk to you, 
never even spends any money on you. Now, don't, don't jump on that one too hard because see, I, I'm trying to make a point here because see, some of y'all be trying, yeah. My pastor said, you got to give up the money. That ain't what I said. Y'all dating. You guys are dating. But if, if I'm dating, then at some point in time, if, if, if I'm in love with that woman, I think I will, will spend some money on that woman. But, but don't, don't get it twisted, though. Because I'm not married to that woman, there's limitations of the amount of money I'm going to spend on that woman. Can I get one amen, brothers? Come on, brothers, talk to me. Y'all better help me out up here. Because if we're not in covenant relationship, we don't need to be acting like we're in covenant. Hello? Until the ring is on the finger and you have said I do, there are limitations and boundaries. So I'm just, I'm just trying to use that as an example. I'm, don't run away with that example. Until you say I do, quit acting like you don't did. Until you say I do, you stay separate. You ain't got no covenant yet. You don't have no commitment. Why are you acting like you got a commitment? See, you got real quiet. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, I'm the pastor. I'm going to speak to you to love. And, 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 and you, you're ruining your testimony because you say, well, we, we just roommate, roommate. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. Don't play with me like that. Ain't too many brothers I know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't know no brothers who are going to be staying with you, sleeping in another room, taking care of you, like you his wife, and ain't nothing happening. Now you want me to believe ain't nothing happening. And you want your mom and your daddy to believe ain't nothing happening. And you, and you tell yourself that long enough, you even start thinking ain't nothing happening. Until something happens. Then they'll be like, yo, I don't know how that, you know how it happened? You're not in covenant. But you acting like you were. See, there's something, guys, there's something about respect and honor. That I believe a man should always respect and honor a woman. So don't even, even if she's weak, just say, come on, you can leave. You, you, you ought to respect her and say, baby, you know what, I love you. And, and, and maybe we did some things that we shouldn't have been doing before we got married, but you know what? I, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to solidify my sin by moving in with you when I don't have covenant with you. And you as a woman ought to say, you know, I ain't got no covenant. Think of yourself better than that. I, I, don't, I, I'm not, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody up here. And maybe you, I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm just talking to the people who the Holy Ghost wants us to go to. 
So if, if, if respect yourself enough to say, until I enter covenant, I'm not going to just, just stay with you. And brother, you respect her enough to say, you know, I, I love you and we're going to get married. Let's get married. Yeah, you'll get you're going to get married, but you ain't married. Until you get there, come on. All right. Yep, you follow me? Now, because you were there, don't get mad at me. Thank God for, for you, you that were there, but you ain't there now. You ain't covered it now. Glory be to God. Yeah. That's a good thing. And I don't lost my point. Y'all made me lose my point. Yeah, if he loves you. Yeah. There's certain things he'll do. He'll do. If she loves you, there's certain things that she will do. Love is an action word. It proves itself through corresponding action. Okay? Watch, watch what the text says here. Now again, so love. If you, my point was if you love Jesus, you're going to honor him by being obedient to his word. Watch this. Look at this. Look at what the writer of the Hebrews says. Hebrews 10 and 24. Can we read together? It says what? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. He's talking to the church here, and he tells the church, instead of thinking of ways to tear each other down, talk about each other. Just because somebody does something different than you, don't be talking about them. I don't, I, I'm not so naive and stupid enough to believe that everybody does church the way we do. Somebody, somebody who, who may have came here and, and saw us dancing around here we, we went right back out the door and said something was wrong with us. But there ain't nothing wrong with us. We just happy that we know Jesus and he, what he's done for us, okay? And when we think about Jesus, what he's done for yeah, dance, dance. All night. The Bible says praise him in the timbrel and the? Dance. So the Bible says it, then I got liberty to do it. Not because you don't have liberty, don't, don't, don't knock me on my liberty. I'm going to praise him in the timbrel and the dance. And the good part about it, when I'm praising him in the dance, I'm not trying to win a dance concert, so you ain't got nobody looking at me. So look, what kind of move was that pastor doing? That, that ain't even right. It was unto the Lord. Allie, it was unto the Lord. Y'all hear me? You remember David's wife got all crossway with him when he, when, when he, was, he was praising God for the victory and, and he danced out of his outer garment. And the Bible says she really got indignant. She got upset with him. But David was dancing unto the Lord because he knew that God had given him the victory. And when you know God has given you victory in your life, baby, you better dance. You better do something. All right, all right. So if I love God, if I love Jesus, I can't love him and be obedient to him consistently as a lifestyle. Now, we all mess up. We've all made bad choices and bad decisions. Can I get one amen up in here? But it ought not be our lifestyle. It, 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 we, we shouldn't wallow in it. We shouldn't be known for it. He's known for cussing for God's job. He's he a deacon of the church. As a matter of fact, I saw, heard him preach a sermon last week and he known for cussing people out of the job. What, what, what is that? Guys, we got, 
It's about growing in our faith. I'm not saying the guy may not be saved, but he, he hadn't grown to the point he needed to grow in. So when you don't grow, storms of perfection and correction will come. Or when, you, when you're outside the will of God, storms of correction come. All right? So watch what it says here. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look at the next verse. Watch this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. He's talking to the church. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is what? As Jesus gets close to coming back, we ought to be coming together the more to encourage one another. I've heard people say, I don't have to, be sa- I don't have to go to church to be saved. I don't have to belong to a church to be a Christian. I can worship God in my home. I got an internet church. Um, and I'm sure some of y'all have heard some of those things. And, 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 and to, to, to a certain degree, there's an element of truth in there. But again, what I just read to you, it says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. Don't stop meeting together. So if I'm stopped meeting together, saying I'm standing at home, listen, you, you can watch us on, on, on TV, on the website, but there's nothing like connectivity with other believers. We draw strength from one another. So if you stay at home, you don't have a chance to connect. And the other part about that is you have spiritual giftings that all of us need and we have spiritual giftings that you need. And if you're at home, we don't get the benefit of your gifting and you don't get the benefit of our gifting. Y'all follow me? So that means that as a responsible believer who's growing their faith, I got to make time to, to gather together with other believers because we're trying to connect so we can draw strength from one another. Listen, if I, if I speak a word into your life that encourages you and then you speak a word that encourages me, then we both get better, right? Because, man, I love all of you guys here. I mean, and, and, and many of y'all know that we walk through stuff with you, and when we walk through stuff with you, that don't change how we view you. One thing Maria and I have learned, and I've learned as a pastor, is, is that, that when you deal with people, you, you deal with whatever the issue is, but you don't allow that to color your viewpoint of that person. That's what Christians do. People who are spirit-minded Christians do that. Carnal Christians still be thinking about stuff that you did. Okay? So we got to move together. All right, so let's get back. Okay, so, so being, you need to be in part of a local church assembly because it says don't, don't, don't stop meeting together. Okay? He told them to draw near Back really, back if you go back to verse twenty-two, he said, "Let us draw near." And from that context, he, was, he did. The author was encouraging the readers to draw near to the holy place and the house of God. So, when we are saved, we need to be a part of a local church. Okay, all right. So let's. So number five, uh, we said there comes a point when your faith has to be exercised to the verbalized. So if I'm exercising my faith, that means that I'm, I'm doing what the Word of God says. And part of that responsibility is being a part of a church. Lesson number six. Watch this. Number six, from the storms. Because there's storms of what? Correction and storms of what? Perfection. Number six, when you begin to walk with God, listen to me, and the circumstances don't change immediately, what do you got to do? Read it. It's up there. Okay. When you begin to walk with God and the circumstances don't change immediately, do what? Keep walking because when you first start obeying God, then the, the situation may not change immediately, but keep doing what God told you to do. I told you before that one of the things that, that I've, I've learned and I share with you guys, it's 
It's, it's better to be obedient and let your feelings and your emotions catch up to your obedience than to wait till your feelings and emotions get right before you decide to do what God's word told you to do. Okay? In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? When, whenever, whenever God tells me to do something, I don't wait to see the results before I start walking. Because what is faith? Faith is what the substance of things hope for. It's the evidence of things that are what? Not seen. So, so when I start to walk by faith, that means that I get a word from God on whatever that issue is, whether it's my money, whether it's my relationship with my spouse or how I rear my children, and I get that word. I, I, I studied it in our discipleship training. The pastor preached on it. So now I know what the word says. So now, just like Hebrews 10 and 25, when it says, don't not meet together, there's going to be some time when you're not going to feel like meeting together. Has there been time you didn't feel like going to church? Anybody? Now, it's been rare for me to not feel like going to church. I can maybe count on one finger the time I didn't feel like going to church. Um, but maybe, well, let me back up. Maybe, maybe two fingers, okay? Maybe three. I don't know. But my point is, there have been times I didn't feel like going, and then when I got there, or maybe going to an event or something uh, that, that had uh, you know, someone speaking gospel truth, and, but I went, and I, and, and I knew I had a responsibility to go, but when I went, I got blessed. So if I had, if I had followed my feelings, I would have stayed at home. And my point is this, as a born-again believer, then I have a responsibility when I, to, to do, obey what the word says and let my feelings and my emotions catch up to my obedience. If the Bible says, uh, if there's an ought between you and a brother or sister, you go to him and tell him that fault between you and him alone. Right? That's what it says. But now you're mad though. You're upset with that person. And, but you know what the Bible says. You're telling everybody else about it, but I hadn't told the person about it. But the Bible says go to him one-on-one. All right? But you're, you and your feelings, you and your emotions, and so you don't want to go to him and talk to him because you're mad. And you just want to vent. You don't really want counseling. You want to go dump on somebody. Rather than doing what the Bible says and get free and go into the person one-on-one -on -one and says, because Jesus said in, I think it's Matthew 18 chapter, if there's an all between you and the brother, go to, tell him his fault between then he, he alone. If he hears you, you gain your brother. And if he hadn't, you take two or three more spiritual people with you. Then if he doesn't hear you, you bring him for church council. But we, we won't do that because we, we're in our feelings and we won't walk in obedience. I'm going to encourage you to walk in obedience. These disciples did what Jesus said do, but he was trying to perfect them. So when you begin to walk with God and the circumstances don't change immediately, your feelings may not change immediately, but do what God's word told you to do. How many of you know you can forgive and still have some raw feelings? See, because... I'm feeling a certain kind of way don't, don't necessarily mean I hadn't forgiven you. But it could be an indication that you haven't did what all you need to do. Be obedient and forgive and, and, and get into God's word and let your feelings catch up. Okay, lastly, last thing. So when you begin to walk with God and the circumstances don't change immediately, what do you got to do? Keep walking. Peter started out with great faith but ended up with little faith because he saw two ways instead of one. Don't get your eyes off of Jesus. Lastly, number seven. There is no storm that lasts forever. Listen to that. There's no storm that lasts forever. 
I think about how beautiful it is today. The last two days have been beautiful, awesome. But the week before that, we had a, we had, we had a bunch of rain, storms coming through. And, and, and there was one period of time like it rained for two weeks straight. And, and, you, and you, you start to believe, when is this ever going to stop? Have you ever been in, in something in, 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 the, in the storm of that situation, the pressure of it kept beating on you? You say, when is this going to stop? When's my head going to stop hurting? When is, when is this going to stop? God, when am I going to get through this? God, why am I struggling? I've been struggling for 25 years. Well, first of all, look and see, is this storm of struggle, whether it's financial, health-wise, is, is, is it because of something that I'm doing? Is God trying to correct me or is he trying to perfect me? Some storms are corrective in nature and some are perfective in nature. Okay? All right, so storms don't last forever. This experience was difficult for Peter, but it helped him to grow in his knowledge of himself and the Lord. The storms of life are not easy, but they are necessary. I'm here to tell you they are necessary. Because some of us won't look at ourselves closely enough until we go through some storms. I've been through some storms where it caused me to look at myself and where I was. It had not that storm came, I would have been in self-deception like most of us are. Most of us think we're a little bit better than what we really are. Come on, let's, let's be honest. I got 56 seconds, and I need y'all to agree with me. Most of us think we're a little bit better than what we really are. Amen? And when you can find a person who's self-aware enough to say, listen, here's my weaknesses. Here's my strength. I know I'm not good at this, and I need some help with this. Rather than being defensive, because everybody else sees that you're not good at it, but you don't, you don't want to admit that you're not good at it. But if you just admit that you're not good at it, then they can, God can help you get good at it. But most of us are not self-aware enough to just acknowledge that, hey, listen, I'm not doing this right. I've been, I messed it up. I made some bad choices and bad decisions, and, and, and I, I need to come out of this. So there's no storm that lasts forever. Guys, you can walk with the Lord until you get to a point where you can walk out to him like Peter did. Those storms teach us to trust Jesus Christ alone and obey his word no matter what the circumstances may be. Now, Jesus gave his very life for you and I so that we could have a right to the tree of life. He hung, bled, and died so that you and I could have a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. I am not talking about religion. I am not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with God to the point that when a storm comes, you immediately start asking yourself, is this a storm of correction or is it one of perfection? Start looking at yourself and say, God, are you trying to work something out of me or are you trying to grow me? I believe that God sometimes will put people in our life and allow us to be around people who, who will help sharpen us so we can grow. And sometimes we fight those people, but those are the very people that we need in our life who will sharpen us. We get mad at them, but God put them there to help us because left to ourselves, we don't do very well. Isn't that right, brothers? We learn, we, we, 